If you missed the last episode of Catalyst, go back and listen. If you're caught up, here's where we left off. It's a broader problem in journalism beyond just LGBTQ people. Whether or not we can be unbiased, balanced journalists, I think absolutely. Reporting is so much more than just being spoon-fed something and spitting it back out. It's really trying to understand why does someone feel this way about this policy? Why was this policy introduced? I would just say read the articles, watch the stories, because they are as comprehensive as possible and respectful enough to cover every aspect of that debate. It's very intentional. That's a part of my job, and I take it very seriously. The issues we've been discussing in this podcast are not unique to KXAN. They're something the entire journalism industry is facing in some way right now. So for insight, I turned to an industry expert, a fellow Texas reporter at Investigative Reporters and Editors, a nonprofit dedicated to improving the quality of journalism through training and professional support. Okay, I'm Francisco Vara-Orta, the Diversity and Inclusion Director for Investigative Reporters and Editors. Uh, so full disclosure, I am on the board of directors for that organization, which is why I know so much about the type of work that you're doing. Like me, you're also an out gay man, and I know there's an intersection with your work and your community. Yeah, I, I think I was conditioned in my career, like many folks of my generation, to try to leave a little bit of yourself at the door, and you didn't want your work questioned. Yeah. I think it's now a point where I realize that even if I didn't want to address it, it's going to come up organically. <laughs> and the way I dress, the way I talk, when I talk about what I do outside of work, people will kind of put two and two together. So now we're in this really interesting era where people are wanting to see that visibility, that authenticity. We're in this interesting place of trying to merge that and view it as an asset and not a detriment. It's something that I think we're still figuring out, but it's expected. You can't deny that I'm gay. How have you used what you've learned as a member of the LGBTQ plus community to train and inform others? I think trying to make sure that people from these communities that want to come into our field feel a sense of belonging, that their intelligence, their agency is recognized so people kind of see themselves represented and making sure we're having pipelines for that within our organization, but also helping newsrooms and organizations that are trying to figure that out. When it comes to LGBTQ plus coverage, what's the question you hear most from journalists? The question I get the most about how to cover LGBTQ issues, whether you're from the community or not, is how do I walk that balance of, I'm not here to litigate as an activist what we should do, but I also don't want to perpetuate really ugly, harmful stereotypes when we know the data shows that LGBTQ folks are more likely to be prone to depression, anxiety, suicide, and harassment in schools, in their workplaces. And then how do I go into these communities and talk about this with them in a way that doesn't make them feel horrible about themselves or perpetuates these stereotypes? So I think how to be fair is probably the biggest question that I usually hear. I've heard from LGBTQ plus journalists who have concerns they'll be criticized as biased or unfair or too close to their coverage of these issues simply because they are who they are. What do you tell them? Realistically, you can't 
hide who you are. And I think nowadays, if you have had a presence on social media, maybe you posted you've been with someone you're dating of the same sex somewhere, you've been in an LGBTQ event, and a capacity as a private citizen. You know, you can't really hide this about who you are. My argument has been, okay, when I go to a doctor, I don't know how this doctor votes. I don't know what their views are maybe on some of these issues, but I believe that they will adhere to their code of ethics as professionals and treat me as they would anyone else. And that's like the kind of professional respect and deference I want to give to them. And I kind of wish that those that are not LGBTQ in the journalism space would give that to us. And we can recognize as media professionals what's well told, what's not, what's well researched or well sourced and not. But that's kind of hard, I think, for everyone to be comfortable with. Where there's a marginalized community, not just always LGBTQ plus people, it can help to have voices from that community informing newsrooms how to cover them, right? Absolutely. And so when you start covering any marginalized community, you start to realize the dimensions and how nuanced it is. And on the easier side of things, you realize how many things are universal. And I think for, for newsrooms, there is no such thing to me as a diverse person. I, I In the sense of like, it's just people of color, it's just queer folks. Like, I think everyone has diversity within themselves. And the more you start learning that and learning how to report around that, the more you're going to get richer stories. But the only way you get there in a lot of times is having the staff that knows how to go and find those stories. And the way that they can do it is building on trust. It's a higher bar for those of us not from a community to come into another community that we're not from and try to have that same connection. I think the perennial debate that is very inflamed right now in storytelling spaces, journalism, media, is the term objectivity. Part of being objective is listening with an open mind and relaying each person's point of view in a story in a straightforward, accurate way, factually and with balance. We know each year recently there have been more policies proposed across the U.S. to further restrict LGBTQ plus people this issue is only growing, so there will be more coverage. What's your best advice as a journalism coach on how newsrooms should proceed from here? I would hope newsrooms would really step back for just a second and think about the importance of this coverage, the need to get it right. I would hope for the leadership, they would think about how this story will find a way to touch you one way or another. There is someone you know who is queer in your space who is dealing either with this very publicly or very privately. And so it does touch home and ask yourself, what is the truth? And that should be what gives you the confidence and the resolve to publish whatever you need to publish, whatever that is. Our newsroom leaders at KXAN are thinking about these points every day. I know, I'm one of them, managing our investigative team. For this podcast, I sat down with two of my fellow managers who are part of those daily discussions, collaborating and guiding our staff through challenging coverage decisions. Okay, I'm uh, John Thomas. I'm a producer over here at KXAN. I'm Haley Seihawk. I'm the news director at KXAN. 
what do you think makes your voice unique in the newsroom? I do think in this space, I represent a part of our population that is engaged in news coverage. I'm a mom of a 15-year-old. There are a lot of women my age out there watching news, trying to understand their community. I definitely have a big heart for issues that will affect my child and his future. To me, that kind of injects a necessary voice in our newsroom. My mother is a Filipino. And my uh, dad's from Texas. My dad was in the military and we moved around a lot. Coming from a, a family, my uh, a mother who's from another country, speaks multiple languages, as well as just uh, the exposure of moving around so much when you're a kid. I think that's part of it. And frankly, now, I'm just being older, there's not that many people who've uh, been around in the newsroom this long or in journalism for 30 years. How do you think all of that influences your coverage? I think a part of it is you just start to realize that there are other viewpoints out there. You, you try to draw on your previous experience. And, and understand there's more than one. And as you get more exposed to that over time, you start to realize that uh, maybe the way I saw things before is not quite as, uh, is, there's more than one way to do it. Have you identified any blind spots or bias you've had to recognize and overcome? So many. For example, we cover a lot of homeless issues. I've never been homeless. It's difficult for me to relate to what that looks like or how it feels, but I'm grateful to have some people in the newsroom who do know about that, who have been there, who've lived in their cars or out of hotels and helped me understand a little bit better about how they got there. The experience that they have really makes my own understanding a lot richer. How do you encourage people to bring their unique experiences and perspective to the table and not feel like they have to conform? Sometimes it's just identifying what makes someone unique and letting them know hey, you have a special place in this room because of that. That makes you valuable. That makes you a piece of the puzzle that we didn't have already. And I think a lot of people appreciate that. They're more likely to trot that out and say, here's what that adds to the conversation. Again, it's a whole culture of embracing each other's individuality, identity. If they have that freedom, I think it kind of spreads. If people who are, or are just coming into the organization have that freedom, I think it spreads throughout the newsroom. How do you steer conversations around controversial topics without squashing voices? I am actively trying to talk less and listen more. <laughs> I've learned that if I throw out a question and don't immediately answer my own question, more people are likely to speak up and offer their own opinion. But I think it also has to be a full culture of people in the room who realize that if they put an idea out there, they're not going to get shot down that people may disagree and that's going to feel okay because they will be listening, they will be responding with respect from a place of concern and understanding instead of immediate jump to judgment. This can be especially tricky with political or legislative coverage. How do you recognize when something is just a vocal minority as opposed to a groundswell for a particular topic? It really takes the people who are on the ground covering it day in and day out to really recognize that. So I definitely rely on the people who cover politics way more than I do as an individual. You know, people who are experts in that field, they're well-sourced. It's hard sometimes to delineate that, but really important to get at the distinction. This is really tough, I think, in particular in Texas, and the nature of things right now. I mean, where you just feel like so many things are being driven by a really hardcore minority. You have to acknowledge that there are concerns, but you don't want to misstate facts. To me, that's one of the most difficult things. It's a really hard push and pull. How do you stay fair in your approach to these topics? So fairness to me looks like exploring as deeply as possible. It can't be surface level. It can't be simplistic. It can't be satisfied with two sides. It's definitely understanding the range of impact, all the people who might be affected, even if they're not really obvious. 
How do you respond to outside critics when a story or a topic comes under fire, especially when the person covering it may have a closeness to the subject matter in some way? Oh, we'll use an example because in the past we have been criticized for employing people of a certain population. And my response to them is always, we embrace diversity of all kinds of gender, ethnicity, age, race, anything you can think of. But most importantly is we embrace diversity of thought. And so if our audience is looking for homogeneity, if they're looking for one note opinions on a subject that are consistent with their own, they shouldn't look here. That's not what we're offering. What we're offering is intellectual diversity, people who bring different thought processes to the table. Do you feel like you have a good model for tackling some of that? It's developed over a long time of trying really hard to be who we promise to be, which is in-depth and investigative, right? So we try really hard to dig a little deeper, offer more points of view than anyone else, but it's definitely not perfect. It's a process and it evolves. And so as soon as we realize that maybe terminology is changing, or we might need more training in some aspect. We try to stay current with trends. We follow best practices to refine and improve. And we'll keep working to refine, improve, and evolve our reporting as we continue following these issues and updating you on any LGBTQ developments at the state capitol. For now, this concludes this podcast season. Special thanks to KXAN managers Haley Cyhawk and John Thomas, along with Francisco Vera Orta of Investigative Reporters and Editors for speaking with us for this episode. To explore our full interactive investigation and docuseries that accompany this podcast, go to kxan.com outlaw. Catalyst is reported and produced by me, Josh Hinkle, along with Arzo Dost. Our editor is Richie Bose. Digital support comes from Eric Henriksen, Abigail Jones, Jacqueline Ramkasoon, Andrew Schnitker, Robert Sims, and Kate Winkle. KXAN's news director is Haley Cyhawk, and its vice president and general manager is Eric Lasberg.